0: good afternoon everyone welcome to the dairy sports podcast i'm sam daring he's christian john and we're excited to have you with us taking a break from some of the interviews that we've been doing lately and we are back full swing of things um with first the nba proposal and then going a little bit into the Green Bay Packers including the Aaron Jones contract talks and ending on a good note with the Lane Taylor contract restructuring. So, starting off with the NBA proposal, according to ESPN, they have proposed an 8-game se- season or 8-game season with the 22 teams and in Orlando And then you would jump straight into the playoffs. So now I see two things to this, two sides. One, I was on the bandwagon of they should just start the playoffs right away because it's less games. um, You'll have less teams condensed all in one area. But at the same time, and like obviously every league, they're they're not going to start until they fully ensure the safety of it, of – both fans, personnel, and players. And I don't know if there are reports coming out yet. Um, I'm guessing they're still in the process of kind of figuring out everything, If whether or not there will be fans in these stadiums. Um, so I love this idea. I think it kind of, instead of going straight into the playoffs where players would feel stiff, risk getting injuries where they, ha- where they haven't played in over two months. And then on the other side, I would understand if you have the nine seeds uh, on the brink of... Um, being eliminated from the playoffs. So I love it. I think eight is a perfect number to be at. It kind of gets the players back into the swing of things. And it makes things interesting.
1: I'm just so excited at this point. I I remember, I mean, I had a really tough time just because everybody kept talking about how this was it. It was over. They're going to scrap the season. Forget about it. We're going to go into 2021. And that's just the way it's going to be. And that just didn't sit right with me. So hearing the news today, seeing Woj tweet, the NBA is back. I was running around my house making all kinds of loud noises. I apologize to all my neighbors about that. But it's just, it's going to be so awesome to have this back. It really feels as though the world needs this. They really, we need something to root for. It's been a tough few months obviously, and now we just get this back. We have something to look forward to again. And from the basketball perspective, them having regular season games is going to make it awesome. You also bring in a lot of young teams in the Western Conference that will get a chance to battle for that eight seed. You're going to have the Pelicans and Zion get a chance. You're going to have Devin Booker and Phoenix get a chance to actually make the playoffs. The Spurs are going to be a part of it. And the Trailblazers also who were a Western Conference Finals team last year. So it should all be very entertaining. It's going to be awesome to see what these guys can do when they're so well rested. I mean, Giannis LeBron and Kawhi have all been sitting on ice for months. They should physically be the healthiest they've been in a long, long time. And even through training camp and all of that stuff, they're going to be much healthier just because they haven't been getting their bodies um, hit and they haven't been getting banged. It's just been sitting, resting, working out, getting in better physical shape. They might be rusty, but, again, that's what the eight games are for. And what's going to be wild, and I know
0: we haven't – they're still trying to figure out kind of whether – um, both college, more so college, the NFL, will happen. Because I know there were rumors. I mean, there's been a lot of things going around. They're saying college football will, will only happen if there's no fans. And then on the other side, coaches like Davo Sweeney is saying he fully expects to run the season regularly. But what's going to be wild is the NBA season and the finals, is pr- like they're proposing it to end around beginning to mid-October. So that is NFL, college football, and I would assume for most of the season, if not all, NFL will play with no fans. And it's going to be wild. You're going to have all three of these sports, football, basketball, and even baseball, because they've been talking about a 114-game proposal, which we will definitely cover um, in a future episode. But it's going to be crazy. You're going to have all three of these sports, and the ratings are going to go Off the all they're gonna fly over the charts. And it's something that we as sports fans have been looking forward to um, for quite some time now. And what's crazy is um I'm trying to think, there was a I I don't recall his name, might have been Spencer Dinwiddie actually. He was on first take a few weeks ago, um, talking with Kellerman and Stephen A. And they asked him about the status of Kevin Durant and there's been a lot of things going around, and even Kevin Durant was saying that he very well could be ready for this playoff. And if they play eight games, you play him, I mean, they're at the eighth seed, so they're on the brink of getting eliminated. But I mean, they're at a perfect spot where if you bring KD back at fully healthier, or healthy enough. Look at Boogie. Boogie's a prime example. Coming back from a torn ACL, and he had a phenomenal play. He,
1: he had a very good playoff run until he got hurt again. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, but see, and that's uh, this is where I'll play a little bit of devil's advocate with the KD thing. Would it be cool to see Kevin Durant come back? Sure, maybe if you like him, unlike myself. But I just don't think it's a good idea. I mean, do do we really think the Nets can do anything? So right now, I believe they're the seven seed so they would play Toronto in the first round if the eight games and everything holds, which I'm assuming the eight games won't change a whole lot in the Eastern Conference and change much of the landscape at all. But bringing back Kevin Durant after a bad injury, I mean, it was bad. When a torn Achilles is so visible to everybody, and as soon as it happened, we all knew what happened because we could actually see it snap in his leg. I mean, it was a really bad injury so late in the year after he had gotten hurt previously. I just don't think it's a good idea. You know, if you want a healthy KD, you're paying him max money, you you should just bring him back next year. You're not going to win it all this year. Kyrie's is going to be on the shelf most likely. I would hold KD back just because I don't think it's a great idea, and it's not like he's really young, so him healing probably also isn't as good as it was when he was younger and he would get hurt. So I'm just not sold on the whole an injured player like that should come back for something like this, just because it is going to be somewhat unpredictable, but I still believe that Toronto Milwaukee and the two Los Angeles teams are the four teams that we could see any combination of. in the And Brooklyn
0: will not be able to beat any of those teams. So I think that's a fair point. And another thing that's been kind of like, I mean, it stats kind of prove it, and not necessarily Kevin Durant, because I'm glad you brought up Kyrie, is both with Boston and a little bit with Brooklyn is the teams tend to do better when Kyrie's not on the floor. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see a fully healthy team. And if they decide to bring Kevin Durant back, if they truly think that they are going to contend this year, I think that's something to bring up, but I think you bring up very good points. So moving on to the Packers. Um, So a few days ago, the Packers did open contract talks with Aaron Jones. And now the Packers are in for a busy offseason. And now a lot of people were very dissatisfied with the offseason as a whole. Um, And Daryl Stewart, I think, could be an interesting name that comes up because he's the only guy that we kind of picked up um in regards to the draft and a lot of people um I mean a lot of people seem to be somewhat undervaluing Devin Funches. I mean he's not he what is two and a half million dollar contract if it's a low risk high reward deal but if he stays healthy he has the chance to make a little over six million I mean the contract is a little bit higher than I kind of expected but I think it's a really pretty reasonable contract and now going back to Aaron Jones The running back situation is very weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. A.J. Dillon, great pick. And as much of a reach as it was, the running back position needed to be addressed. And A.J. Dillon, I myself, I don't know about you, but when I watched that pick, like Roger Goodell, say that name to the Packers, I was utterly shocked in a good way. I did not expect that. I mean, we had virtual interviews with early-round guys like J.K. Dobbins. And... Now you have another powerhouse, 250-pound, six-foot force in the Boston College native A.J. Dillon. So now you pair him up, and he might not get as much attention his first year because you have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in front of him, but that's the thing to decide, is will Aaron Jones be on the Packers next year, or will they decide to go with two powerhouses and if Jamal Williams there's been a lot of rumors lately and even projections that Jamal Williams is the surprising player to get cut and I I, I'm I just don't see that happening I think it's just surprising to me
1: yeah I'm definitely not on the Jamal Williams will get cut train I think he has too much value as a player I mean a a team will give you a seventh round pick for Jamal Williams don't let's not act like he has absolutely no value Brian Gutenkun's got a seventh round pick for Ty Montgomery after he was insubordinate, I mean, you, Jamal Williams definitely has value. He's a good pass catcher. He's a good locker room guy. Jamal Williams is awesome. Now on to the AJ Dillon side of things. Again, you had your two starting running backs from last year, whose contracts will be up at the end of the year. You needed to bring in another guy. AJ Dillon fits what we want to do, and. I believe we'll have a lot of fun packages where Dylan, Jamal Williams, and possibly even Aaron Jones, all three of them could all be on the field at the same time. Jamal and Aaron Jones could definitely split out wide some. There's been a lot of videos online that Jamal Williams is of Jamal Williams route running and such. So it's clearly something he's working on and probably was told he had to work on. And now for the Aaron Jones contract side of it, I am vehemently against paying running backs. I'm Andy Herman, when he was on, we talked about how just it's not a good idea. And we both agreed with him. It's just not a good idea. It's never worked out. And I can say that confidently, that it just really hasn't ever worked out for a team. Especially with so many important players for the Packers going into free agency, it's just tough to imagine that we're going to pay a running back over you know, the best left tackle in football, one of the best defensive tackles in football. You have your second corner as a free agent. There's just so many guys who are going to be free agents that it's tough to see Aaron Jones coming back in my eyes. I know that there has been talk that, you know, we want to bring them back. And obviously you want to bring back good football players, but he said he wants to be a Packer for life. But again, you're just going to say that as a player because you're not going to close that door. You're not going to go, ah, well, I'll play somewhere else. I don't really care. The Packers aren't going to like that. They're going to want to hear you say you want to be a Packer for life. So I took nothing from that interview, or at least that aspect of the interview of him going, I want to be a Packer for life, because you have to say that if you're Aaron Jones. Another thing to
0: point out, I mean, we've been through this, history says it itself running backs do have shelf life, and running backs are one of, if not the most, easily replaceable positions in football you can eat the Raheem Mostert is a great example of, of that a guy who went undrafted cut by six different teams and who went off in the NFC title game against the Packers and I mean we have we have Dexter Williams who the Packers don't seem to have like they don't have a lot of faith in right now um, Patrick Taylor was the projection that I saw was the guy to make it on the roster undrafted out of Memphis over Jamal Williams, and if Jamal Williams gets cut somehow, um, I think he goes to a team and starts. I think he has starting potential all over him. I think he's proven it. And back to the Aaron Jones point: if this causes us to lose big names like David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark, two of the two of our top priority, two of guys that should be our top priorities, I will be upset. And I know they've had mutual interest in contract extensions between Aaron Jones and the Packers. If I had to guess right now, I know it's way too early. I think they could end up franchise tagging him um, and kind of seeing which teams want him um, it would be interesting to see how much a team is willing to give up for a guy like Aaron Jones, who guy who was one of the top guys in touchdowns, led the league in touchdowns last year. Um, but we're in the Packers are in for a busy offseason and To me, I don't think it should be starting with Aaron Jones. I think it should be starting with either David Bakhtiari or Kenny Clark. Corey Lindsley's up, but you have Jake Hanson. I wouldn't be surprised if Corey Lindsley's probably going to be gone, a guy who can barely stay healthy. The offensive line is one of the positions that the Packers have always struggled to keep healthy. And as much as people like to say Brian Balaga, I was a little bit surprised that we let go um, but the fact that we loaded up on O-line day three, Jake Hansen is a guy that's proven what did he play over 3,000 snaps in his career at Oregon. He's going to be a guy that starts. John Runyon could be a guy that makes a very good impact. And another guy, I want to move over to the defense. As I was reading, it was a Bleacher Report article. It was, a, it was guys, I don't remember if it was day three picks or I think it was for the draft the guys who can make an impact right away this year and us we had Kamal Martin Christian Kirksey I mean Kamal Martin is going to be he's going to go right in he's going to compete for that job and if Kirksey wins it it wouldn't surprise me but if Kirksey wins it however you get a guy that gets hurt you have Kamal Martin who's reliable so Kamal Martin to me is a guy that could make a little bit of a name for himself his rookie year but as far as paying running backs go Like you said, and like everyone else, I'm not a huge fan of it. If they do end up franchise tagging him, I guess I'm okay with that. But David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark should be our top priorities right now.
1: I also think, though, with loading up on offensive linemen on day three like they did, was kind of writing on the wall that usually teams will invest either in the offensive line or in a running back. They typically don't do both just because you have this finite amount of resources you're not going to just load up all on the run game. And I say this after the Packers drafted three offensive linemen and a running back and also a fullback, but whatever. (laughs) I I truly do believe that you're not going to use all of your financial resources on the run game, especially when you have such a highly paid quarterback. So again, I just believe that that was somewhat writing on the wall that, They don't think Aaron Jones will be coming back or at least Jamal Williams won't be coming back, but I I'm still in the same boat of Aaron Jones is cool. Don't get me wrong. I like Aaron Jones. I like cheering for him. He's such a well-spoken human being. He's so respectful. I mean, his parents are awesome. I love every time they show shots of his dad and mom wearing his Jersey and celebrating after another touchdown, but it's just one of those things where you're going to lose good football players throughout the course of your franchise. And Aaron Jones, I feel, is going to be just one of those good football players that the Packers will lose here.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you talk about a draft that's kind of almost securing the future, I'd say we we did pretty well. And if you look back at 2019's draft class, you got guys like Rashawn Gary who very well could pop off this year. Darnell Savage, and Elton Jenkins, and Kadar Holman. Who, assuming we may or may not keep Tremont Williams, that is looking like a very impressive draft class right now. And if you if you really grade draft grades, mean nothing. I mean, you can't really grade a draft until you get three or four years into that draft class. So the last thing we want to talk about, a little bit of a good note. Um, not that every, the other two were not, but news: Lane Taylor restructured his contract with the Packers around saves the Packers around three million, and now Lane Taylor went into the priest or went into the season last year being a cut candidate, and he ended up he did end up staying. However, he One didn't starting job even he won the starting job, and I don't know about you. I mean, like I don't. I mean, this isn't just for like college, but I like it for NFL as well. I mean, Lane Taylor, I want to say, Jimmy did an article, um, Christensen, Jimmy Christensen from Packer Report did an article on, he interviewed Elton Jenkins. And he talked about Lane Taylor in that situation. And he said, Lane Taylor, Elton Jenkins told him that Lane Taylor was a guy that even though Elton Jenkins, I mean, took over his spot and excelled in his rookie year. Lane Taylor was a guy that sat back and not just watched him, but he sat back, kind of mentored him. That That's why Lane Taylor, I mean, I, I like him not only for his hard
1: work, but, like, I think that shows a lot of maturity on his level. Yeah, Lane Taylor, again, and I've said this for about every player we've talked about from the Packers, he's just a good dude. He really is. Like, the Packers – culture as a whole is in a very good state right now. The locker room seems to gel perfectly together and Lane Taylor is a part of that for sure. The other thing about Lane Taylor restructuring is it makes it either easier to trade him, which I'm not exactly on board with at this point. Now he's on a cheaper contract. Now it's like he's a backup offensive lineman kind of money and I think the potential that he and Billy Turner battle for a guard spot is definitely up there. Uh, Lane Taylor is definitely a left guard in my eyes and in the eyes of many others, Lane Taylor is basically just a left guard, which means you would have to shift Elton Jenkins over to right guard, which may not make a whole lot of sense after how well Elton Jenkins did at left guard. But at the same time, Elton Jenkins is a versatile guy. He was very versatile in college so it may just be the best thing to have Taylor at left guard and Elton Jenkins at right guard. It, it was no secret that Billy Turner was the worst Packers offensive lineman last year. That might not exactly be fair to him just because of the level of that offensive line last year was insane. You had an all-pro left tackle. Brian Bulaga played like an all-pro for most of that season. Elton Jenkins played like an all-pro for the season. Corey Lindsley is one of the most underrated centers in the NFL. Billy Turner was just kind of the last guy on a team that was just so good in the offensive line. So – It'll be interesting to see if the Packers would be willing to have Lane Taylor start at left guard and move Elton Jenkins to right guard just because of how well Elton Jenkins played. Maybe they'll try Lane Taylor at right guard, and that's where the battle will come from. And even if the offensive line stays the same, and obviously Rick Wagner is the right tackle instead of Bulaga this year, having Lane Taylor as a backup offensive lineman's just great. I mean, it's it improves the seal ceil- or it improves the floor of the team because if one of your guards gets hurt you have a starting caliber guard sitting on the bench no longer it will be lucas patrick who has to fill in you have lane taylor who's started entire seasons in the nfl yeah and i mean the fact that we restructured
0: his contract i think that makes it even better and like you mentioned before a backup guy who's proven that he can excel at wherever he, where he plays on the left side. And I know like, it might be a little bit questionable to kind of move Elton Jenkins, but judging from his, I know it's like different levels, obviously, but like judging from his history of playing more than one position. And that's a guy that I look, that I look at like, that is one of my favorite aspects of linemen is that offensive linemen is that they can play more than one side of the ball. And like, if you can only play one, one side or one position that is a little bit of a weakness coming into the NFL in my eyes, but it's something that they could definitely be fixed. But Lane Taylor, the fact that we restructured his contract, saving us a little bit over, th- over 3 million, not only helps us a little bit for the next off for next off season, but at the same time, you have a reliable guy to sit behind whoever gets hurt. And Rick Wagner is on a low risk, high reward contract. So literally in if he underperforms, his contract in a year, we cut him, and we don't lose. Like, I mean, it's not really that much a huge risk. And you have Billy Turner, and I'm glad I like that you brought that up. He was kind of put. He's a guy that like has always struggled, with kind of finding his home, finding his teams where he where he's enjoyed playing. And Billy Turner, he he's always a guy like he's been a guy like throughout the season that I've enjoyed kind of like his off the field. He does have like a COVID nineteen fundraiser. Um, He's I did not know. um, Again, I'll shout out Jimmy again. I mean, he's a fashion guy. I mean, like that's something like I love hearing like players stories outside of football, like what their interests are. So like Billy Turner is a guy that like like Lane Taylor, he's very highly respectable and not just the defense, but like the entire team, the locker room just seems to be different and different in a much more positive way and where everyone's a family. And, like, you can easily tell that from the defense. And guys like Sidarius and Preston Smith kind of stepping up um, on that end. Whereas, and you have Lane Taylor and then Billy Turner. Billy Turner is a guy that I thought played well. I would like to see a little bit more of him. But, I mean, his contract's not overly, like, high. So, I mean, as far as building depth for the offensive line, both in free agency and in the draft – um, I I'm, I'm, would say I'm pretty content um, with our offensive line.
1: Billy Turner, again, and I'm going to say it again, he's just another guy you want in your locker room. He's also a guy who I do believe that if he does not end camp as a starter, it's not like we're going to have an issue. No, I, Billy Turner will be just fine being on the team, being a backup, doing what he can to provide anything to this team it's just having a guy having six starter caliber offensive linemen and only five spots, but not having to worry about what the sixth guy is going to think is such an unbelievable luxury. And this is something I feel as though most Packer fans have kind of glossed over with the restructuring Elaine Taylor's contract, but this could end up being huge in season because offensive linemen just get hurt. It just, it's going to happen. It happens every year. And the other thing is, it's another starter-level offensive lineman that will help mentor and help these young guys that we brought in grow. Runyon was a tackle at Michigan, correct? He was like a left tackle, I believe, in at Michigan. Yeah. But he yes. projects as more of a guard in mm-hmm. the NFL. Uh, there is uh, Steven Stepanek. I Simon believe. Stepanek, yep. Him, he is uh, out of Indiana. A little bit. I mean, he's He's
0: been kind of a little bit surprised. He's another tackle. He's kind of surprising because he's been projected to not make the team, which is surprising. He's a guy that I look at
1: that is a perfect guy to learn off of like an all-pro tackle like David Bakhtiari. And then finally, Jake Hansen, as you mentioned earlier. All of these guys we get to work with, so many – NFL starter caliber offensive lineman in camp you have six guys and then you also have guys like Lucas Patrick who Lucas Patrick's now been around the block a good number of seasons with the Packers it's just such a good situation for all of the young offensive linemen that we brought in that they get to work with all of these guys Lane Taylor if anything is just another person to help give tips and tricks to the younger guys that we brought in this season and I'm very excited about the prospect of Lane Taylor sticking around for another season at least. And who knows, maybe if Lindsay ends up leaving next season, we try and bring Taylor back. Taylor plays at left guard. Elton Jenkins plays at center. And then Billy Turner starts at right guard. I mean, we're very far out from that, but there's so many like, projecting. With, it's with, yeah. There's so many things with we the have. depth
0: that we have. There's so many scenarios that we could look at, whether move Jake Hansen to center or even a guy that could play guard, is um, somewhere on the interior line. But like, like I meant, like I said, I mean, I'm I'm pretty content with the offensive line situation that we have. And a lot of people were very dissatisfied with our draft. I mean, I don't want to grade it, but I, I mean, it was right in between. I mean, like day three, I I loved our day three picks. I think they were great. And like a lot of people were like, oh, come on, Martin, yeah, like it addresses a need that we need now. And a lot of people are mad that we're wasting Aaron Rodgers' career. And like you gotta like think about like we have a good enough offense where we don't need an elite quarterback. And the surprising thing the surprising thing to think about is like as as Rogers is regressing. Yes, we can we can admit that. But like his stats and like in the twenty nineteen season, surprisingly, he was in the top ten. I want to say he was like in the bottom or like top ten, top fifteen range. And like for a guy that like. Definitely had a regressing year and like he's he's what he's 36. I mean, we don't need a guy, like we don't need an elite quarterback. I wanted a guy like Josh Rosen if we weren't to get Jordan Love. I think if he's the guy that learns behind Rogers for a year or two, if he's not elite and he's not a top 10 quarterback, so what? We we have a talented offense to do that. And the fact that go both Goot and Aaron Rodgers believe in the receiving core that we have now says something, and and I know a lot of people, including myself, are very shocked that we didn't draft at least one wide receiver um, somewhere in the draft because this was the deepest draft that it has been in recent years. So uh, that will end it. Thank you for joining us on the Dairy Sports Podcast. Give us a follow on our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and um, be on the lookout for some Daily Packers content on our social media platforms. So thank you, stay safe, and have a good one.